All right, well, let's look at Hebrews 13, 5. We've been in a series called God is With You, part five. You know, some, we started out and said, well, this is a one-off. Well, sometimes you're just catching up with God. I was like, you know, this is, it seems good. We'll, pre we'll preach on this. And then um, started off, you know, went to go, what, what are we going to, what, so what's, what's coming up? And it's like, I, we, we need to cover this more, and we've been on it since, and it's been good, so uh, we'll get... We'll unhook when we need to, but uh, God's Word, you can never exhaust it. Let, okay, so let's go and uh, back to Hebrews 13, 5. Look at that. It says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you go back to verse 5, let's read that again. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. So conduct be without going after things, lusting after stuff. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And the NLT Verse 5 says, Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, or craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For He, God Himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support i will not i will not i will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you or forsake nor let you down relax my hold on you assuredly not so that's pretty strong that's a mouthful we've gone over that before um, you know any of these scriptures i wanted to make mention that haven't made it uh, made mention of this for a while, but any of the scriptures that we're using, um, those are always on the website. When we uh, put the message on the website, you know, it's an audio and video form. If you just look at that page where a specific video is or when the, the message is, underneath it says download, you can just, next to that, there's two files. You can click on it, you can get it in Microsoft Word format, or you can get it in PDF format, but those are always there. So if you... Uh, you know, it's good to take notes, but just know if you want to get all the scripture list, you can just go and download that document. You can use it however you want, but it's there. Sometimes something really speaks to you. Just get the document, go and print it off and, you know, read it before you go to bed. Maybe you do that for days or weeks or, or months. Uh, you can take them, copy and paste, put them in a, you know, a document yourself of things that speak to you. But anyway, uh, that's just to, to be a resource for you. So these are, are there. So, uh, you know, this... This, this amplified version of this verse is, uh, you know, pretty long, and, and we went over that and um, focused on that a bit, but that's there uh, if you want to look at that. Let's look at Isaiah 41, verse 10, and as we're just going through some of these verses we've gone through before. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my, right, my righteous right hand. This is one of my favorite verses. Fear not, for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God said, He's with us. He's for us. Don't fear. Go forward. And just knowing that He's with us, that's going to cause you, if we really understand that, that's going to cause us not to fear. That's going to displace the fear. We spent some time on that as well. Let's look at John 15, verse 1 tonight. John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So let's go back and look at verse 4. So we've been talking about God is with us. And here's talking about Him abiding in us, because He is in us. In the New Covenant, uh, the Bible says He is in us. The, the, the uh, person of the Holy Spirit indwells us. And through Him, we do His work on the earth. Verse 4 again says, Abide in me, and I in you. This is Jesus. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice that. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. We get that straight? Who's the vine? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So who's the source? The vine. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. In other words, anybody that does not rely on Jesus, this is their end. But this isn't you, me, those here. And if there's someone on, uh, you know, watching, you haven't trusted Jesus, you need to call out to him, believe that he uh, died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. Believe that in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and then you don't have to fall into this category, because that doesn't sound good. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. So he said, in this my Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. How is the Father glorified? With you bearing a lot of fruit. How are you going to bear fruit? What does bearing fruit mean anyway? That means you, you are productive for the kingdom of God. You know, what the world calls bearing fruit, they don't call it bearing fruit, they call it, you know, being a success or whatever. Um, they are, it's not, have any, it doesn't have anything to do with God. People call success all kinds of stuff, and the kind of success the world um, has, it always, I shouldn't say always, it can be accomplished in men's strength, men and women's strength. What we're talking about, what the Bible is talking about, that you bear fruit, it is talking about what you can do only in His strength. Can you put verse 8 again up? It says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. But go back and look at verse 4. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we just read, it, uh, Jesus said, my Father is glorified if you bear much fruit. Then here he says, you can't bear any fruit unless you are in me. He said, just like the, the branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, he said, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. So that means the fruit that we're talking about, you can't just do it alone and you, you cannot do it apart from Jesus. Now, we're talking about God being with you, God being in you. You know, we've looked at the fact that uh, the last time we were, were speaking on this, God does not need your ability to get the job done. What He needs is your heart and your will. Now, we looked at Gideon. You cannot bear the type of fruit that God wants you to bear in and of yourself. It just said that. Jesus said, you cannot. That means you, you cannot do, true, you cannot bear true fruit with you alone. Now, you can get stuff done with you alone. People do it every single day. And they're lauded for it. People glorify men's accomplishments and so you can do stuff alone but you cannot bear fruit according to what Jesus is saying alone he said so that means you can do things that is that are not God by yourself but you cannot do the things that God would have you to do by yourself which things do we want to end up doing the things that are going to please God and that are fruit or things that are not fruit and don't please God. 
may please men, but don't please God. Of course, we want to please God. But if you're going to please God and bear fruit, you can't do that alone. What if you're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but God isn't in it? Well, then it's not fruit. Can it be fruit if God's not in it and He said you can't do it without Him? You can't do that. So that means there are certain things in life that we could be doing and it looks good to the natural eye. It may look productive. People may even say, awesome job. And it's not fruit and God has nothing to do with it. You can't do that. You could be really, really good at something. But if it's not what God would have you to do, then it's not bearing fruit. If God asks you to do something, and you go do something really well that's not that thing, what have you done? <laughs> You've been disobedient. You failed at the mission. You know, but you could say, well, but this is really, you know, this is really cool. And so-and-so and so-and-so thought it was awesome. But they're not who matters. To do what God has called us to do, we're going to need His help. Let's look, we'll come back to this, but let's, uh, let's look at Psalm 147, verse 10. We read this last week, or last time. It says, He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him, those who put their hope in His unfailing love. It says, He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. That means... He doesn't have any pleasure in people's ability. And he said, you can't do it without me. What's the determining factor here? Your ability or he being with you? It's him being with you. It's not your ability. In fact, you can do stuff in your ability without him. And he said, that's, that's not what we're after. And he said, I don't need you to have a lot of ability. I just need you. He's not impressed with that. He's got, Jesus said, you can't do anything without me. So it doesn't matter, that, that would include people that would be extremely talented in certain areas, wouldn't it? That you cannot do anything without me. He did not qualify that statement. He didn't say, well, unless you know you're, you have this IQ. Doesn't impress him. Still can't do anything without me. Well, sure I can, not by his definition, and he's right. Well, you know, I have all this money, so I can get stuff done. Not by his definition. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians, we're not going to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 13, it said, you can do, you can give all your money to the poor. If you do it without love, God is love. That's in conjunction with how he would do it. You can do all that and it mean nothing. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about real fruit, doing it in conjunction with him. So this is good news because, well, it's good news however you cut it. If you don't think you need God's help, then you need to understand some things. We need a, a shaking up. So if we don't think we need his help, we're wrong. But if we think, well, I'm not really all that, good news. 
You just need to trust Him. If you've been thinking, I have to do this and this, I have to know this, this, and this, or that's the only way I'm going to be used, or I need this much money, or I need this a talent to do something for God, then we need to think differently because what, what Jesus is saying and what the Bible teaches is you just need to trust Him. You need to know He's with you. As a Christian, you need to know He's in you and that you can't do anything of meaning unless He's with you. So we might as well just step over and stop trying to do the things that maybe people laud or that you think you can do in your own strength and go over to where you're doing it in His strength and you're doing it because He's with you. Now we're on the right track. That's the only way we're going to bear fruit. And that is the right way. And the good news is you don't have to have natural qualifications. In fact, natural qualifications sometimes get in the way. And we looked at Gideon last time. We're not going to repeat all that. But we looked at Gideon and, and, and God literally, He picked Gideon to go against Israel's uh, enemies and he literally said you when he when he got his group together to go fight he said you have too many people how many times would you hear that for a natural army army oh we got too many we're gonna beat them too bad go home because that's what i mean would you ever hear that in the sports realm? i mean you know maybe you would today actually especially at kids level they'd be like oh no we 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 don't want to make you feel bad I mean, there is sportsmanship, right? You don't want to just pummel somebody just unnecessary, mercilessly. That's different than, oh, we might win too easy, so half you go home. And especially, you know, we don't need 11 people on the field. We'll just field two. I mean, God told them they had thousands of people, tens of thousands. He said, it's too many. So they whittled it down. He said, still too many. You're going to take credit for it. So he said, we're cutting it down. He got it down to 300 people against thousands. And he said, all right, now we're good. Now you know it's not you. Now you know if you win, you weren't thinking, oh, we got this. When you started out, you're not thinking, oh, yeah, this, this is a cakewalk. We're done. This is, you know, all over but the shouting. No, you're thinking, I don't know how this is going to happen. But he said, now we're in the position because who's going to get the glory? It's going to be God. Who is going to be exalted? It's going to be him. And then you're going to bear fruit because you're doing it with him. Jesus said you can't do it without him. It's not by our strength. Look at, let's look at, uh, go back to John 15. Let's read verse 4 and then we'll read verse 5. So he said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So if you are abiding in the actual vine... That's how you bear fruit. Because apart from Him, you can't do anything anyway. So to me, this is really good news. This is, what do I need to do to be a successful Christian? I need to obey Him and make sure I'm doing what He's called me to do 
and make sure I am cooperating with Him because anything I'm doing myself is not going to be bearing fruit. So He doesn't say anything about my ability, my talent. See, even as Christians, we can get sidetracked and start looking at ourselves and say, oh, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not qualified. I can't, I can't do this like so and so. And you know, and it's, we live in a different age where you're not just dealing with the people that you actually can interact with. You can see anybody do anything on the internet. So you don't get just to see the people that are local. I mean, you're not supposed to compare anyway. But you're not just going, I mean, if that were a thing, you're, you're not just going, well, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm okay. I'm looking at these people. You can look at anybody of any skill level anywhere, you know, if it's musical or preaching or business or teaching, you know, as far as a classroom setting or you know, engineering. I mean, some people, I just saw something. Somebody sent me something uh, on Instagram, and it was some, somebody uh, doing a picture, you know, live, like they had the, the canvas there, and they're just, you know, doing all this stuff, and it's coming together, and the comments were like, there are people that are this talented. You watch it happen, and um, I mean, you look at whether it's art or whether it's music, I mean, there are some incredibly gifted people on the planet. You know, you can think, oh, I'm, I'm okay in this area, and then you see somebody that's like, wow, I mean, they didn't have to practice. That just, you know, just sometimes you hear some of these artists. I mean, they're just, they're, on, they're in an interview. They, this is not something that they recorded and put, I mean, they may have effects on it and stuff, but it's not something they went and doctored. They just start singing, and it's like, wow, you're good. You're somebody just sit down and play on the piano like, wow, you're, you're amazing. You know, you hear what comes out of some people's mouth as far as, you know, their, their intellect and all the stuff they can understand. You're like, wow, I, I don't even know half what you said. <laughs> Probably more than that. And you've got a grasp on that and you've got a grasp on all this other. And you can think, I mean, I don't care where you come, there's always somebody that's better in any area. And if you focus on that, you have access to literally anybody that's doing anything on the planet. You know, if they're published in some way, they've made a, a video or somebody shares something, you can see them. So you can be like, what am I? Well, if you understand the Bible, you realize that's not the important thing. God will use your abilities, but He is not impressed or looking to use your abilities in place of something far more important, which is you have to realize He's got to be involved. And if we realize He's got to be involved and that He's with us now, regardless of where you're at in these different areas, the Bible says specifically, don't compare yourself against other people. That's foolishness. The devil, one or two things are going to happen. You are going to think you're better because you compare yourself against somebody else and you think you measure up, and so then pride can come in. Well, wow, well, at least I'm not there, or hey, I'm better than that. Or you're going to say, I don't even measure up at all, and now you're going to start, it's still pride, you're going to start feeling bad about yourself. Either way, you're going in the wrong direction. That's why we don't look at other people. We need to look at ourselves and look at God's Word and go forward in that and say, Lord, am I doing what you called me to do? Now, what I'm supposed to do, what, what do you want me to do? Am I doing that? 
and am I cooperating with you? That's the definition of success. If you let him work in your life, you can do things that you never could do naturally, but he can use you and then he will get the glory. And the further I go, and we were talking about this the other day, you know, Shelly and I were talking, you get, the further you go, when you walk with God, the more you realize when we get to heaven, you're going to be like, okay, it was God. You just throw everything down at Him. You realize the further you go, it's not you. You know how merciful and good He is. You, you walk with Him and you say, I, you know, if that was up to me, I would, have fallen, I would have fallen flat on my face. Thank you for your mercy. When that happens enough times, you realize, okay, God, I'm just, you're so good and gracious, I want to be right next to you, because if I'm just relying on me, it's not going to go well. And people say, well, see, that's just, you're looking at the wrong thing. No, that's looking at the right thing. That doesn't mean you grovel. That means you don't have any confidence in what you can do. You have confidence in what you can do with Him. Those are two different things. So as we get, if we're more and more um, in just, uh, our foundation is that He is with me and that I can't do anything apart from Him. This is a hard thought for, I think, us in, in, in this time to grasp because people think, well, you can do it. And that's not, that's a twisted thought. Because if you take God out of it and you say you can do it, you believe in yourself, that's missing it. That's better than thinking you can't do anything. But it's not good to think you can just do it. If you take God out of it, Jesus actually said, you can't do anything. And we got to reprogram our minds to realize, I need Him for everything. i got to say, you know, when I'm going through my day, is He with me? Yes, He's with me. So then I can do whatever I need to do. I don't have to be stressed then if I don't measure up. See, when we get this mindset, I don't have to be fearful if I think I can't handle it because that was a foregone conclusion to begin with. If I was going to handle it myself, Jesus already said, you can't do it without me. So I'm just going to slide right in and say, well, I, I guess that's part of the package. I couldn't do that. Couldn't do this. Well, I need your help anyway. So I'm just going to lean into that and trust you and then let you do what you do. And then you'll get the glory anyway. I don't want your glory. I know that I, I, I can't do it myself. See, people in this day, they'll call that a crutch. They'll call that, well, you're weak. No, the, that goes against the Bible. The Bible says you're strong. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It says, As he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Does that sound like you've got to be strong in yourself? That, that's saying when you're weak. He says, My strength is made perfect. That means complete. In weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, therefore, I will, most, I will rather boast in my infirmities or weaknesses. That means he's saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm weak in this area, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Verse 10 says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, 
then I'm strong. This is the Bible. He says, I actually take pleasure in these things. How could you take pleasure? He says, in infirmities, weaknesses, reproaches, in needs, and persecutions, in persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake. Because when you're weak, then you're strong. He's with me, so the only way I could be, you know, uh, glad, thanking God, not for a situation, not because I'm weak, but because, hey, I need God's help, which is what I'm supposed to do anyway, so I can be glad. Because His strength is going to show up. Sometimes when you're the weakest is when you depend on God the most. We should depend on God all the time. But sometimes stuff is going on. Now, you don't have to twist it and say God's doing that to you to try to get you to respond. You can respond at any time. The smart person will respond to him whether it's good or bad. You don't have to not respond to him, get into your back up against a wall, and then start responding. That's dumb. God did that. Did, and then people jump to the conclusion that some, God put this in my life to teach me something. No, you're just in life. You could have been trusting him anyway. We could have been trusting him anyway. So if there's, if there's pressure, if there's persecutions, if there's distresses, all these things, we can be saying, look, God, I feel weak, but I'm going to trust you because you are with me and that's how I'm going to get it done. In fact, that's how I'm supposed to live. As a Christian, I am supposed to live by depending on His help. That is supposed to be standard operating procedure. Is that I go through the day and we bump up against something that we don't know how to do and go, well, okay, I trust God. Not like, oh no, what am I going to do now? Trust God. Oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Well, good news. I can work with him and trust him because that's the only way I'm really going to get what he wants done anyway. And that's okay. That's different than the way culture, our culture thinks, though. It's a different thing. We got we to think, I'm okay when I don't know what to do. I can know what to do. I have the greater one in me, and it's okay that I don't see everything. It's like, how am I going to get this done? Faith says, I'm going to get it done through God. I don't know how, I don't need to know how I'm going to get it done. Natural thinking will say, well, I better have a plan and figure out everything out before I go forward. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It could not work anyway with your natural plan. But if you, the longer you walk with God, you see that He's going to bring you in, in situations where you don't know how. And that's humbling and it's hard on our pride and our flesh because we want an answer. And the world says, you, if you're irresponsible. If you, don't have, if you don't have it all figured out, well, you're going to bump up against things you don't have an answer for. Life, uh, we live in a fallen world, so you're going to be going through life. Uh, you might as well start early and start trusting God. And so when we don't see how, we're like, well, we've been here before. We're just going to trust God. What are we going to do? We're going to act like God's word's true. We're going to act like we're going to come through with Him. Good news. I may not know, but He knows, and He's with me, and that's how I'm supposed to go over, so we just run the play again. A month from now, well, we don't know. Well, good news. 
Don't have to know. God knows we're with Him. He's with me. That's how we're supposed to operate. Said I wouldn't be able to bear fruit without Him. So guess what? We're just going to run the play again. Oh my gosh, we really don't know. Well, that's the same as not knowing. Just putting a really on it does not make it worse. That just means you have no clue. Whereas you had, you know, partial clue before you have no clue. Same play works. Let's just run her again. What's that? I need your help, God. Here I am. I'm, I, I'm your child and I'm supposed to run to you. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to run to you. I'm going to run to you even more because I don't know at all this time. Before, maybe I was tempted to, to, you know, I knew a little bit. Now I know that I know. And last time I thought I knew and I realized I really didn't know. Now I actually know that I don't know. (laughs) So now, and that's where people get to. They're like, okay, I'm done. All right. I, I, I don't, I don't. I don't know how I'm getting out of this. I don't know. And that's when people will get their back up against the wall and then they'll turn. But we don't have to wait for that. Right now, you may be dealing with certain situations where you kind of know. You may be in the position where you have no clue. And you'll readily admit, I don't have any clue. It's okay. Either way, the right answer is, I'm trusting you, Lord. And with you, I can go over. Without you, it's not going to be any good anyway, so I'm going to trust you. You're with me, and I'm just going to settle up right there. And I don't have to look at how smart I am. I don't have to look at who I I, I have for connections. I don't have to start trying to run this other play. Well, I guess we just need more money. Oh, I guess I just need more, you know, connections over here, or I just need to go take training. Uh, Do all that in uh, putting it under what God says. First thing is, I might not know, but I have you. Now, what's the play specifically? What do you want me to do? I'm trusting you. I don't know. Where do you want me to go? You want me to talk to this person? But you're not going to talk to the person trying to get it done without God. You're going because you felt the Lord would have you talk to that person. That's a totally different thing. So you're not trying to get it done in your own strength. You're saying, I already know I can't do it. Lord, you're with me, though. I can get it done. Oh, you're prompting me to do this. Now that's being led. It's a different thing. Let's look at Acts 3, verse 1. Let's just look at an example of this, and we'll uh, wrap up. There's a lot here, though. Just look at this example. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man... Lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the, t- at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from th- something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, or, b- or but what... I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
So this man was crippled his whole life. Everybody knew who he was. He, he, uh, Peter and John are passing him. He asked, he's begging. He asked for money, and he said, I, Peter said, I don't have anything on me, but here's what I have. And he said, in the name of Jesus, you walk. And this man walked for the first time ever. I think that's better than any gift of money. He gets to walk. I don't care how much money you would have given him. There's nothing like that. But that's nothing Peter and John could have given them by himself. So he, he gets up, he walks, it, it makes all the religious leaders mad. And so they berate Peter and John. But let's go, let's go down to Acts 4, verse 5 and pick this up. Not going to take time to read all the rest of it. You can go read that if you'd like. It said, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, so Peter and John, By what power or by what name have you done this? In other words, how'd you get this done? How'd you do that? What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom Jesus, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so what did Peter and John say? They said, how did you do this? And they said, it was all Jesus, the one you crucified. That's how he was made whole. So then they saw this. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they're not backing down, they're not cringing, and they tell him flat out the truth, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Notice verse 13. So these are all the religious leaders. They're calling in Peter and John. They're saying, how did you do this? And they say, we did it by the power of God. And, they say, and then it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized that they had been with Jesus. So they, real, they, they saw him and said, these guys, they're not smart necessarily i mean they're not educated they're untrained they're bold and they were amazed they know they've just seen this miracle and it was nothing they did and it says they realized that they had been with jesus jesus was the reason that these guys were able to do anything it wasn't them they were standing before the religious leaders. The religious leaders hadn't seen anything like this. They hadn't done it. These guys weren't qualified in and of themselves. They were qualified because they were working with Jesus. Yeah. 
and they were doing what he had called them to do. And so it took, you know, Peter, fisherman, somebody that didn't have it all going on the natural, and here he is talking with the leaders, and he has just seen a man that was crippled from his mother's womb walking, and they don't know what to say, and they just know he was with Jesus. Jesus was with him. The Holy Spirit was working with them doing this. And that's how they were able to walk in the plant. They could not do that no matter how smart they are, no matter how much ability they had. There's no way they can do this without him. It was because of what God was doing with them, working with them, that they were able to accomplish that. And it's the same in every area. You say, well, you know, that's specific. They were the apostles. This is the same thing we're to do all the time. Just walk with him. Do what he calls you to do. Trust him. Rely on him. What am I going to do here? I'm going re- to rely on him. He's with me. I'm going to rely on him. I'm going to walk as if he's with me and he's helping me. Amen.